Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. Have we gotten to this point where people wake up every morning looking for something to be offended about? I live in this place called the real world, and I understand what is going to happen. Her story is, I was trying to scare him away. At the same time, she shot him point blank in the face. Okay, that's not exactly a warning shot. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. Coming up next, Squirrel. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Okay, so Eric Bilstead, I decided today, today was the day that we were going to really drive the numbers on the Twitter feed. You can follow me at Jeff Wagner 620 So I decided to, I don't know, pull back the curtain a little bit and share something that would in, it's something that everybody wants to know about and see. Man, my imagination is just... Absolutely. Well, if you follow me on Twitter now, at Jeff Wagner 620 and if you don't, this is an excuse to do it. I posted one of our... You know, we had these photos taken a while back. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Me and Gru. Oh, Me and Gru nice. up on the Twitter feed. If you've ever wondered what the man behind the curtain looks like, here's a photo of me with my outstanding producer, Gru. Now, did so, you do the silly one, the the weird one where he was looking at your crotch? I did, did you... not do the weird one where he was looking okay. at my crotch. I, yeah. Even I was uncomfortable with that particular <laughs> one. Okay. No, this is this is one where I'm I'm kind of I've got my I've got my you know arm on his shoulder. I'm kind of leaning on him, which sure. you know maybe that is a metaphor for the way we end up doing mm-hmm. the show. But the uh, first person that commented on it, you know what they said? They said, gee, I thought he was taller. (laughs) Ooh. So in any event, if you want to see what Gru looks like, there he is. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff Wagner 620. You were also reporting on this whole Roger Stone thing. Yeah. What a – no surprise. As a matter of fact, the jury – you know, I mean, they got the case on yesterday afternoon. They came back with a verdict, you know, before lunchtime, quick, which is, yeah, yeah well, it, it was, this was pretty much a multiple day guilty plea is what it turned out to be. But Roger Stone is now a convicted felon, but also just a, a fascinating figure in American politics, kind of on the, on the dark side of American politics. He almost seemed to turn into a cartoon character as well, he went through the gaining fame and, and, well, I mean, I think you, I mean, I think he kind of started as a cartoon character okay. and went yeah. from there. I, I, for anybody, I, I don't think it's on Netflix anymore, but there's a 2017 documentary mm-hmm. about him called Get Me Roger Stone. And it's, it's riveting, you know, because it, it goes through, you know, his history and there's all these interviews with him. And I mean, for people who don't, aren't familiar with his background, he started out in the early, like late sixties or early seventies when he was a kid. And he started, he was a, he was a dirty trickster for Richard Nixon. In the sixth, like he would do things, like he, he was famous for um, Nixon's Nixon's running for president, and what he does is he he makes a donation to one of the rivals, one of the political rivals' campaign, and he he makes it in the name of. Um, the, like some some young communist group or something, and then leaks the fact that hey, look at you yeah, know Eric Bilstead's <laughs> running against Jeff Wagner. Eric Bilstead's getting money from this young Congo. Yeah. But that was him that did that, and so he he was this kind of like dirty trickster there, um, who just just to me he you know um, politics became sort of like this this 
guerrilla political theater. And, you know, he, he was a lobbyist. He hooked up with Trump in the late 70s, early 80s. He was a lobbyist for Trump when Trump was getting into the casino business. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, Roger Stone, because he had all these Republican contacts, because like I say, he worked for Nixon. He worked for Bob Dole for a little bit. And and so he, he had this his own lobbying firm. And so he's been with Trump since the 80s as, as a lobbyist and as a political advisor. And he's just... He's nuts. I, I mean, you, you watch, you, you, you read the stuff and you listen to this guy talk, and, and I don't mean that in a mentally ill thing. He's just one of these guys, these bigger-than-life guys. High bandwidth. Right, high bandwidth. And, and so I, I'm not surprised. I mean, sooner or later, these guys that fly close to the sun, regardless of their politics, left, right, or whatever, they, they always crash and burn. And I think the big question with Roger Stone was, how was he able to make it to – the age of 67 before he, he crashed and burned in this spectacular thing. And I, I mean, I have, I don't know what the guy's hook was with WikiLeaks or whether he's involved, but he was clearly, I, I think, clearly trying to talk about how impressive and how well connected he was. And I've got these different ties or whatever. I don't know if that was BS or not, but. You know, he, he got convicted of perjury and things like that because he, then he tried to back off the stuff he was saying on tape. But, I, I mean, my guess is he's going to prison. Yeah, well, it sounds like it. Haven't heard yet what they plan on doing after, you know, if right. they try to appeal it or whatnot. Well, I'm sure they'll try to appeal it. But, I mean, he didn't even – it was kind of interesting because, well, I was sort of curious as to whether he was going to testify at his trial. Now, I mean, the, the recovering lawyer in me says there is no way you put Roger Stone on the witness stand in the court of law, <laughs> court of law under oath because it would have been a circus. No, but they didn't. You're exactly right. I mean, they, they didn't. And so uh, that I, I appreciate we tell juries that people are you know, presumed innocent and, and that's and that you if somebody refuses to testify, that's their absolute right under the Fifth Amendment. You can't hold that against them. And I understand that's the law. and I have no issue with that. But as a practical matter, if I'm on that jury, you can tell me all I want. But and you got somebody like Roger Stone. He's accused of lying. And if if you didn't do it. I think just lots of times jurors, you know, want to hear that. Sure. I mean, you know, it's kind of like, wait a second, if you if you did not do this, tell me, you know, what what you meant when yeah, you were on right. tape What's or all really these happened? different yeah, things. Yeah. And because for most people, if you were, again, I have nothing, no problem with the presumption of innocence, and you don't have to testify. But I think a lot of people, it's only natural to think, okay, if I was accused of of something like perjuring myself or whatever, I, and I didn't do it, I'm on the witness stand. I'm screaming. Right, I sure, did not yeah, do right. this. This is wrong. But now, he did do that for a little while, not when he was in court. Not when he was in court. No, <laughs> Roger Stone. But he's a fascinating figure. And if you can, like I said, I don't think it's on Netflix anymore. But if you are a political junkie. Uh, and you can see the it's a documentary. It's it's him, you know, doing most of the interviews. Like Scafidi said, he's right. He's got a Richard a face of Richard Nixon mm-hmm. tattooed on his back. He's a bodybuilder um, as well. So I mean, but it's just it's just flat out bizarre, and it is. And so he, he that's how it ends. So go figure. Roger Stone probably going to prison. All right, our number four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We have a lot of ground to cover. Let us start with actually a story that um, I kind of highlighted yesterday afternoon on my Twitter feed. Once again, you can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Wagner six twenty. Currently, we've got a picture of my producer up there. If you ever wondered what Gru looked like, okay, here is the deal. Uh, the 
Drunk driving laws in Wisconsin, on many different levels, in my opinion, have been a joke. Um, I think the politicians, for whatever reason, are way behind where the general public is on this. One of the guys who's been, really spent his entire career trying to toughen drunken driving laws has been State Representative Jim Ott. And one of the things that they have been able to get through passed the assembly overwhelmingly, might have passed the state Senate uh, by a unanimous vote. New legislation that was passed that went to the governor's desk just in the last couple days. It has to do with drunk driving. Right now, if you kill somebody while driving drunk, the maximum penalty is 40 years in prison. That is the maximum penalty. There is no mandatory minimum penalty. So a judge could put you on probation for killing somebody while driving drunk. Judges can and have on occasion in Wisconsin given people sentences of a year to two years for driving drunk and killing someone homicide by intoxicated use of a motor vehicle. The law, which was has now been passed by both houses of the legislature, and keep in mind, this is an incredibly polarized and politically divided legislature, but Democrats and Republicans overwhelmingly agreed with this. The law that is now sitting on Tony Evers, the governor's desk, says homicide by intoxicated use of a motor vehicle would carry a mandatory minimum five-year prison term. Maximum penalty is 40 years. It's not saying the judges have to sentence somebody to, you know, five years. It says that you have to sentence somebody to at least five years. So you get yourself boozed up, you kill someone, you go to prison for five years. Today's TMJ4 breaks the story yesterday in an interview with Evers that he says he is... That Well, their description is that he appeared hesitant to sign this particular law. He says, well, I'll take a close look at it. I believe that criminal justice reform is something really important going forward, and we have to make sure that the people... And we have to make sure that people should be incarcerated or being incarcerated are the ones that should be. We have to decide whether this select group of people, this would be drunk drivers who kill somebody fit into this category. It's something I will be looking at. Okay, so the governor doesn't say that he's not going to sign the bill, but he's not saying that he's going to sign the bill. And he is apparently hesitant and contemplating whether drunks who kill people deserve to fit into the category of people who should serve five years in prison. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let me be very clear here, as I said on Twitter yesterday. If Governor Evers refuses to sign this bill, it will be an absolute disgrace. Who in their right mind could oppose a five-year mandatory minimum sentence for killing somebody for driving drunk? That's what I say. What say you? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Of course you should serve a five-year minimum penalty if you kill somebody while you're drunk. What doesn't the governor understand? 414-799-1620. We discuss in a moment. 
Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 414-799-1620. I confess, this makes my head want to explode. The state Senate, Democrats and Republicans who cannot agree on anything, unanimously agreed that we should impose a five-year mandatory minimum penalty for people who kill other people while driving drunk. The governor who is very, very soft on crime and doesn't like mandatory minimum penalties, isn't saying he won't sign it, but he is expressing hesitation about this. What's the hesitation? 414-799-1620. Let's start with Chuck in Manitowoc. Hi, Chuck. Hi. Uh, hi Jeff. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Although this story makes my head want to explode. Oh, mine too. But, and I agree that Ever should sign this immediately. I'm a, and I'll admit, I'm a Democrat. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he should be signing this real quick. Two questions or two things that I'd like to say though is why wasn't this done sooner? Is mm-hmm. it because the Tavern League is giving people so much money? Oh, I I, I mean I think that be, I I think that there's that. I think that there's um, still a lot of there, but for the grace of God, go I in some of the legislators' minds. By that meaning, well, you know, everybody has a few drinks, and you know, if we pass this, you know, what it it could be us that get caught up in this. Um, I, I think there's right. still a lot of resistance. I don't I don't think the legislators understand where the public is on drunk driving. And the other thing I'd like to say is. You know, you go out, let's say you go out to the bar and you, you know you're going to be driving your car home. Right. Okay. Why isn't that considered premeditated murder? Well, I I mean, it, it's, I mean, there's this, well, thanks for calling. I mean, I guess, I mean, premeditation requires as a general rule that, that you have an intent to do what you're doing. So, uh, you know, when you get behind the wheel of the car, and believe me, I, this is not soft on drunk driving, people that kill people, but it, it's not like you say, hey, I'm going to get behind the wheel of the car, I'm liquored up, and now I'm going to go hit and kill somebody. That That's not the deal. The deal is the act of getting behind the car and behind the wheel when you're drunk, that exposes you to this. Um, all right, 414-799-1620. Dusty in Pleasant Prairie. Hi, Dusty. Well, hello. What do you think? Well, my first opinion is it's just putting a little bit too much definition for one thing. Obviously, nobody would want to be hurt or kill somebody, especially in an accident. What about the fact somebody may have that supper club dinner, mm-hmm. the family's at the red light waiting, to move ahead. They've had maybe one or two cocktails, maybe one extra that they shouldn't have had. Mm-hmm. Teenager comes flying over the hill behind them, rear-ends their car, no seatbelts, they're ejected, they're killed. Now the person behind the wheel who is drunk at the red light is at fault or well, somebody else's well, death? Well, no, that that's not... it. it there, no, I mean, I, I guess that, that's that's not how the law would... That's not how the law would work. Um, you know, they're, they're not changing the homicide by drunken driving type of, of law. If you're drunk sitting at the red light, for example, and in your circumstance, you get rear-ended by the kid going 80 or 90 miles an hour, you're not going to get charged. And without going into the precise elements of the crime, trust me when I tell you, you're, that's not going to qualify a, as a crime. You're not going to be charged because your actions didn't cause the, the death. This is for the mine run type of situation that's going to happen in 99.99% of the times where you have the intoxicated person who hits and kills the, the other person. And, and, and yeah, 
Those are the situations where if you're going to get convicted of homicide by intoxicated use of a motor vehicle and admits admits that definition, I don't think a five-year mandatory penalty is too great. And what you have, and the legislators talk about this, you have examples where judges, for whatever reason, end up going soft on this and they make excuses and they give sentences that candidly, I, th- I think don't reflect the seriousness of this crime. Now, look, I understand what's going on here. Tony Evers and several Democrats do, not, and some Republicans too, don't like mandatory minimum sentencing. They don't like to say, gee, if somebody commits a crime that there's a minimum price of poker. Well, I, I don't have a problem with that. When I was a federal prosecutor, we passed laws that said, you know, if you commit a crime while carrying a gun, there's a five-year mandatory minimum penalty that attaches to that. Does that mean that perhaps more people go to prison? Yeah, it, it does. But if we agree that as a society it's unacceptable to commit crimes while carrying guns and we want to protect people from that, well, okay, that's what you do. Does it discourage other people? I don't know. I don't care. What it does is it makes sure that if somebody, again, Again, commits that crime while carrying the firearm, society will be protected for a while because the person is going to go to jail. They're not going to pass go, and they're going to be there for a length of time. Again, I just hearken back. I, I mean, this passed the state Senate unanimously, Republicans and Democrats agreeing that it's a good idea. Now, at the end of the day, and this is one of the reasons why I'm talking about this, I, I hope that the governor decides, yes, I, I'm not going to... I'm not going to cave in. I recognize that, gee, I don't want to put people in prison. I don't like that. That is not my inclination. But, you know, if people are dead because other people get drunk and kill them, yeah, maybe this is a situation where five years should be, again, the minimum price to poker. It's not saying it's a five-year sentence. You could still sentence somebody up to 30 or 40 years. But let's face it, there are judges There are judges who don't like to put people in prison. There are judges who make wacky decisions. And this is at least one way of reining them in. This, in my opinion, is a good law. I agree with the Democrats and the Republicans in the Assembly and the State Senate who put it on the governor's desk. He appears hesitant to sign it. At the end of the day, I am hoping... I am hoping that the governor can kind of put his soft on crime tendencies aside and recognize that this is something that the general public wants desperately. In other words, Governor Evers, sign this bill proudly. You will be happy with yourself at the end of the day. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So, very glad to have you with us. Hey, join us for our fifth annual holiday radio show. It's coming up Thursday, December 5th. Couple different changes. This year, we are moving to the Italian Community Center in Milwaukee's third ward. Now, there's, we, you know, last four years we did this, we did it at Turner Hall. Turner Hall is a wonderful venue, but there's two things that the Italian Community Center has that, um, well, Turner Hall didn't. First of all, it has free parking, and you know we we know I know a number of you that attended, and this event has typically been sold out. But it you know it, it's kind of a challenge to find parking, especially around Pfizer Forum, and you know people ended up you know having to to shell out 
the whatever they charge. And so we were trying to be mindful of that. The ICC has free parking. In addition, Turner Hall, the upstairs ballroom, has kind of some steep steps that you have to go up. And some people were concerned about that. I think you will find the Italian Community Center to be a lot more accessible. So anyhow, Thursday, December 5th at the Italian Community Center in Milwaukee. Now, the last several years, we've done radio plays. The first two years were It's a Wonder... Uh, First of all, it was uh, Christmas Carol, then it was A Wonderful Life, and then it was two original radio plays. This year, we're ringing in the holiday season with uh, something new, game shows and skits, and we want you to be there. You can get your tickets now for this exclusive event at WTMJ.com. All ticket sales help support Capco and WTMJ Radio's Kids to Kids Toy Drive. It's the WTMJ Holiday Radio Show presented by Capco Metal Stamping, Capri Senior Communities, the Bartolotta Restaurants, and VMP West Dallas. So go to WTMJ.com. You can get your tickets. Like I say, the last several years this has sold out. Just sound out another tweet if you follow me on um, on Twitter. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. There's a very interesting story that's posted at JS Online that I wanted to call your attention to because it makes a point that I have been making, well, I've been doing radio full-time or part-time in this area for you know, going on 25 years. I've been making this point for, well, uh, let's see, I've been making this point for they did this in 1990, so I've been you know, making it for all the time that I have been on the radio. One of the most staggeringly stupid, and yes, I use that word, stupid decisions ever made by local government. Now, I understand when, when you look at Milwaukee County and the city of Milwaukee, when you look at local government to say this was one of their most staggeringly stupid decisions, you are, you are painting a very broad brush. Now, I mean, pension scandal, pension scandal notwithstanding, one of the most staggeringly stupid decisions, in my opinion, ever made by local government involves this piece of realty down on Michigan and uh, Lincoln Memorial Drive where they are trying and they're trying to build this couture apartment built mixed use retail and apartments and, you know, commercial and all that. By way of background, that space used to be a surface parking lot. When I started working for the U.S. Attorney's Office, that was where I would, would park. And I remember back then, it's like 1980-whatever, and I'm thinking, my gosh, this is incredibly valuable real estate. It's right across from Summerfest. How could it be a parking lot? Well, all right, the the, the city fathers and the state, you know, and the county board, they, they took a look at this, and they said, you're right, we, we should, this shouldn't be a parking lot. So what did they do? They built a bus depot there. I mean, you, you took prime near lakefront, you know, resources and you turned it into a bus depot. Well, all right, 20 years later, they recognized that that was just a, I, I don't know, the, you know, I, I'd say that that idea was so dumb it would bark, but that would be an insult to my dog, Sasha, who was smart, smart enough to know that you don't put a bus depot on that particular location. So anyhow, they, they finally recognized that that was just an incredibly stupid decision. They tore down the bus depot, and now the idea is they want to build a building there, but the developer can't come up with the financing, so it sits empty, and it's just a just a hot mess, and we've talked about that before. But it is a very, very interesting article that traces the history of that. Again, one of the most stupid decisions, in my opinion, ever made by local government. And if you want to see it, it's at JS Online. But 
Um, I highlight it because it is a point that I have been making for as long as I have been on the radio. Who could have thought it was a good idea to take this lot? First of all, it's a surface parking lot. It shouldn't have been that. And then instead of building something that, you know, are going to attract people, you build a bus depot. You can check that out. All right. When we come back, what is the future of Tent City? Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Once they're gone, you can't let them come back. Today's TMJ4 did an extremely interesting piece about Tent City. Now, Tent City was kind of like the, the home, uh, the, the camp that uh, we allowed to exist for, for homeless people. You know, that was the tents and stuff that was under the freeway overpass uh, downtown. Uh, ultimately... The State Department of Transportation said, okay, well, they, the people that are there have been trespassing all this time. They've got to be gone by October 31st. There was a concerted effort to get them out. Most people are apparently out. You've got a handful of hardcore people who I don't think want to go. And, you know, what they're going to do, Lord only knows. Um, they're, they're still there. And the state that had originally said they're going to be gone by October 31st has now said, never mind. All right. So that, that's kind of the background on all this. Today's TMJ4 does, has a really interesting piece. And, and what they decide to do is let's look at the future. Let's look at the, the history of, of this tent city. Now, keep in mind, there's a number of advocates for the homeless that enabled this. Because what they did is they brought tents, they brought clothing, they would bring food down there. And their argument was, well, they have to be somewhere. If they don't want to go to shelters or things, we'll, we'll set them up here because we're doing God's work. And so for, forget about the laws or anything like that. Other homeless advocates said that all this was doing was enabling people to engage in behavior that was not only illegal, but also at, at the end of the day wasn't getting them anywhere. So anyhow, with that background, the, today's TMJ4 went down and they started to walk through the remnants of, of Tent City. And like I say, most people are gone. There's a handful of hardcore people who are refusing to leave. And what happens to them? Uh, we'll have to see. But, you know, they found all sorts of stuff. They found uh, extensive debris and garbage scattered around, you know, Tent City. The Department of Transportation said, well, you know, sometimes they're, they're at some point in time, they're going to come and clean it up, uh, hopefully soon. But at central, essentially, you know, they'll they'll, you know, end up doing that. So Tent City is now quiet. But what Channel 4 did is they said, you know, let's go back and let's look at the police reports. You know, what were there really issues? Because if you listen to some people, it was like, okay, there's no problems down here. This is just a bunch of friendly people who don't have anywhere to go. You know, why are people getting upset about this? And Channel 4 goes through a a lengthy analysis of the different police calls and things like that. And a lot of them are benign. But then there's other ones from somebody who calls the police and says a drunk near the railroad tracks was threatening to kill people. Homeless man living in Tent City accused a, who accused another man of pulling a gun on him. A caller reports a battered male bleeding from the ear, breathing but unresponsive near the area. Subject told the caller that he was robbed and hit with a baseball bat. Um, the attacker last seen under the interstate bridge at Tent City. 
Um, call comes in from the intermodal station, the bus train station, saying uh, trouble with a disorderly subject at the location. The guy is from Tent City. And, and it goes on and it goes on and goes on. Report, a female pulled a machete on the caller uh, in Tent City. Um, again, it, it goes on and on and on, um, showing that, you know, this this wasn't a problem that this wasn't simply oh everybody's just just there and they're camping out and there's no problem brutal fist fights between a man and a woman a 40 year old man bleeding from the head um violent call that came in according to where a caller said that he was robbed and left bleeding after he was surrounded by attackers who hit him and stole from him etc 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 so you, you get the idea that there were problems that were going on in this area and there was lots of police response and that's not a surprising sort of thing because you have folks that are there many of whom certainly not all but many of whom have problems with drug and alcohol abuse things like that one of the reasons a lot of people were choosing to stay there as opposed to going into the shelters is they didn't want to follow the rules that the shelters have where you, you can't drink you can't fight you have to be in at a certain time so it's not surprising that that these are the numbers that are there all right What's happened now, though, and this is what I want to discuss with you, is the the problems. Tent City has been largely cleared out. And they say in the next couple of days they're going to go in and they're going to remove all the debris. And maybe they'll do it today. Maybe they'll do it early next week, but they're going to remove it. You're going to have still a handful of, again, the hardcore homeless who are still down there. And you're going to have to address that. But But here's what I want to discuss with you. What do we do moving forward? Now, now, hear me out. Right, We're, we're getting into winter, so I, I think a, a revival of Tent City right now is, is not particularly likely because it's just, you know, it's snowing, it's cold, etc. But once the weather breaks, March, April, May, June, July, next, next spring, next spring, once the weather breaks and people decide – that they want to go back to Tent City. Do we let them do that? And I guess maybe related, question A is, do we let them do that? And question B would be, what are we going to do to stop them if we decide the answer to question A is no, we don't let them do it? 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I mean, if anybody thinks... That all right, that the the things and the issues that led to Tent City in the first place, and these people who were there for month after month after month, all right, now you've t- found housing. Some of it probably temporary, maybe some of it permanent for some people. But once the weather breaks, you know, do do we allow this to happen again? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My, my answer is no. You know, and we, we've got to be proactive in a way that we weren't. And if that means, I don't know, arresting people for trespassing or the like, then I say you arrest people for trespassing and the like. 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And with the Democratic National Convention coming you know, next July, if this pattern starts to repeat itself in February or March or April, are we going to allow it to get as bad as we got allowed it to get this summer? What do you think? We discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner.
414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Um, kudos to today's TMJ4. They, they, they actually went back and, and looked at the history of the people who were living under the bridges, the, the so-called tent city, and, and what they found is that rather than some sort of just wonderful camp where everybody sat around and sang Kumbaya, what you had is is the problems that you would expect when you have a, a number of people from a dis- disparate group of the part of the community, some people with mental illness, some people with drug and alcohol problems, and, and you saw that there was assaultive behavior. Bottom line is, apparently, it, it kind of looks like a tornado hit it now. There's all sorts of mess. There's squalor. They're going to come in and clean that up. There's a handful of people that are still there, and, 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 and that's fine. Dealing with the hardcore homeless, my guess is the people that are left are the ones primarily that have the the – biggest problems with either mental illness or drug or alcohol addiction and just don't want to go don't want to go into the shelters don't want to go into housing that's found for them by by the government because in most of those cases there's rules that you have to follow and people don't want to follow the rules well there's only so much you can do but the problem now is okay you've let's say you've you've solved 95 percent of the problem winter's coming on people are gone all right that's great what do you do to make sure that they don't come back? Or or do you do something to make sure they don't come back? Because, again, once the weather gets better, it, it's March. My simple solution is you cannot allow this to happen again. We have to learn from our mistakes. And, yes, it was a mistake, I think, to allow people to just suddenly be able to trespass and camp out where it wouldn't otherwise be legal. You can't set up residency in a Milwaukee County park. Right? You're not allowed to do that. I, you know, it's trespassing to try to, you know, flop essentially under a freeway overpass. Now, I've argued before that I don't think we're being compassionate in particular by letting people do it. But all right, some people disagree with that. That That's well and good. But now that we've removed most people, I don't think that, you know, you can allow this to go on. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage um, talk and text line. Number of texts. Jeff, let's agree the activity is illegal and benefits no one, including the homeless. Okay, that said, now we have to offer help in the form of mental health and drug treatment, adequate shelters, and arrests for other crimes, to which I would say, yeah, exactly. I would, so I have no problem with trying to offer people the help, but when they decide that they want to try to come back and, you know, repeat the, the same situation that they decided to try to repeat because now the weather's nice and they want to do that in the spring, you can't let them do it. Now, Texter says the Democratic Convention has everything to do with this. It's the timing. Well, I, I think there, there's certainly an element of that. I'm sure that, you know, the city fathers and the county fathers are looking at that and they're saying, look, we, we've got the spotlight that's going to be on Milwaukee, and the last thing that we want is long-term folks who are set up in tents as kind of this, uh, again, this village set up, you know, a mile or two from where the Democratic National Convention is going to be. My only point is, unless, unless you have an aggressive policy as to what we're going to do moving forward, you, you can clean people out. And you can clean it up and you can, you know, force the hardcore homeless out of there in November and December. But unless you have a policy moving forward 
to not let them come back in March, they're going to come back in March and you're going to be right back where you were, you know, a couple months ago. So that's why what I think it's fine, it's cleared out, but I think that there needs to be a pronouncement and a commitment, a pronouncement from the county executive, pronouncement from the governor, since that particular area is controlled by the state and the mayor of the city of Milwaukee saying, all right, we're, we're not going to tolerate this anymore. We will work with people to make sure that you have, you know, housing. We're going to do everything we can to try to encourage you to get treatment for mental illness or whatever. We're going to do that. But while we are doing that, we're not going to let you flop in a park. We're not going to let you flop on the public streets. We're not going to let you set up a tent under a freeway overpass. We've been this route. We've seen how it turns out. And boom, fine, you did it for a while. But now we have learned something. We're not doing it moving forward. Is that too much to ask? This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Melissa, my my guess is you did not see the end of the Cleveland Browns-Pittsburgh Steelers game last night that I did resulted n- in that. I did not, but I was laughing at that in, in Greg's sports. Yeah, <laughs> took the helmet off. Well, no, well, it grew. Did you see it? Were you, did you happen to, or just in the replays, or not at all? No, I woke up... Um Super early this morning and saw it then. Yeah. Okay. Well, so here, here's the deal. Yesterday was my wife's birthday, and we we gone out to we went out to eat with one of her daughters and son-in-law and the, the grandkids. And Happy stuff. birthday, Fran! By the way, absolutely, she will appreciate that. But um, so I came back last night, and she went to bed. I, I sat up. I watched the Bucks game. The end. Watched the end of the Bucks game. You know, they they won, and then I flicked on the the Steelers and Browns game, and I, I I was doing a little bit of work, and then I laid down on the couch in the living room, and of course I promptly fell asleep. Okay, so I, I, I wake up with about two minutes left mm-hmm. in the game. And Cleveland, uh, you know, the Cleveland Browns with all, I have two very good friends. Sorry, Lon. Sorry, sorry Stephanie. Cleveland has been like a, a just a hot mess as a football team. And this year they've got all this talent, but they're, they are a team of thugs. And, and yes, I say that knowing what I'm saying. They're a team of thugs, most penalized team. Um, the, they lead the league in expulsions and people tossed out. So it's the end of the game. They are beating the Pittsburgh Steelers. They never beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. And it's eight seconds left. And so I wake up with about two minutes left. So I'm kind of watching the, the end of the game. And I'm thinking, okay, it, it's it's it. They're, they're ahead by 14 points, Mm -hmm. the game is essentially over. So the Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback drops back, and one of the Browns players, this Miles Garrett, sacks him. And then they're kind of rolling around on the ground, and and they start grabbing at each other. And next thing I know, Miles Garrett has pulled off the helmet of the Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback. Now, Miles Garrett is former first-round pick in the NFL draft, um, big-time kind of player. And then they're kind of going at it. So he's got the quarterback, the Steelers quarterback's helmet in his hand, and they're kind of going after it. And then he takes off and he hits the guy over the head with the helmet. And the, the announcers, nobody knows what to say because... Has that ever happened before? That seems so odd. I, I, you know, I, I've been listening to a lot of the sports reports. Nobody can ever remember this happening <laughs> in a game. Yeah. There's one guy who was a football... I said, yeah, we had this happen once in practice and yeah. stuff. But you, you just... I mean, you've taken these helmets are hard and you're using this. This isn't like an illegal hit in the course of a game. This is I've got the guy's helmet and I'm wailing at him trying to hit him with this. And it's 
I haven't seen the video, but now I'm going to look it up. Oh, did, yeah. did he hit him just once or just like well, he hit him? Well, he or? hit him once. Mm-hmm. He would have hit him more, but th- there's all these other players in between that are trying to break. And then what happens is after he hits the guy in the helmet, in the head with the helmet, then what happens is a couple of the quarterback, the Pittsburgh guy teammates, they jump on, on Garrett and they get him on the ground and one of the linemen for the Pittsburgh Steelers like kicking him and stuff because he, he's it's just it, it's it's above and beyond what you typically see from brawls and um, it was interesting today because I was watching you know the ESPN shows and mm-hmm. stuff and you know one of the big things was was this so is this I mean it's, it's one thing to have fights in basketball or hockey or football or baseball was a situation like this where you essentially take a piece of equipment and use it as a weapon does this cross over and say okay it's not just a matter for the, the sport but is, is it a crime i mean if you know if i mean it's taking it to a whole other level well, that's for sure well yeah i mean if if you right if somebody came up to you on 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 the streets on Oakland Avenue mm-hmm. and started wailing at you with a football helmet you know that there would be assault charges or or something like that. I mean, it would be kind of like, all right, if you're in a, a baseball brawl and you grab a bat and you actually go to swing, you know that that bat and hit somebody. You know, it, it is does that take it beyond the normal realm? I um, my guess is, even if you could charge, my guess is that this is something that they're not going to. I mean, if I was a prosecutor, I'd just say, you know, that this is over the top. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if the quarterback had been killed you know it you know blow to the head or something maybe it's a different story but but he wasn't but this miles garrett it's you want to say something group the uh, yeah because they've been i mean they've been showing it on espn and all over the place all morning but the thing about it is when miles garrett because he kind of swings at it like a club like a yeah. like an ups, ups right side up pendulum just like yeah. from one side to the other if you look at it really slow there's a big piece of foaming on the back of what is a, a an NFL helmet so that, you know, when you're putting the helmet on, you don't scrape the top of your head right. with the back of it. They have a foam padding. That's actually the part that hit Mason Rudolph's, you know, cranium. And that probably saved a lot of, a lot oh, of pain right. from him. If they would have actually gotten hit with the shell of that helmet, completely different story. Right. And, and, and a completely does, different result. And, and, and he does probably. wind up. There's, there's no question. I mean, you watch this. He, he winds up. It's not oh, like yeah. they're flailing. You know, and he with gets them right. It's not like he's like like flailing, like using the helmet, like pushing it. I mean, he winds up with the intent to, to hit the guy in in the head. And you're probably right. You know, you under different circumstances, you make that contact and you put the guy in the hospital. You know, with a concussion or or worse than that. I doubt that, again, I doubt that there's going to be, I'd be shocked if there's criminal charges about this, but the the NFL, they've announced they've suspended him indefinitely, and my guess is, I don't know, that, that's the conversation. I think everybody agrees he's going to be suspended. The question is, how much? I would I'm say, just watching the video right now. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, wow. it's just, you don't, you know, it, it's... That's an all-out, you know, yeah. attack. Yeah, I mean, it's it's... Kind of like, I mean, in mm. hockey where you, you go at him with the, the stick and you're using it as a weapon. This was, We're but, not used to seeing this, though, but they're kicking him and they're hitting him and they're a- doing all, more than just, you know, hitting him on the head with the helmet. Right. No, yeah, that's a little, that's a definitely ma- too it's much. It's a major, and with eight seconds left in the game, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, wow. I, I mean, what, do, what does the NFL have to do? Well, they obviously have to suspend him. My guess is um, certainly... Well, he's already been suspended indefinitely. indefinitely. Yeah, but they're going to have to, at some point in time, they're going to have to come out with a... I think it's. I think it's going to carry over into next I would, season. I would agree. I think that it's probably got to be 
eight, at least eight games. Some people are saying maybe a full 16-game season, but I think at least eight. So there's well, six games left in the year yeah, in Cleveland yeah, and the playoffs. Six, yeah, six or whatever, and then probably take, like, the get the full season, maybe take another 10, 12 from next oh, year. Oh, so but you'd suspend him for the whole year. For, you'd suspend him for 16 games for, for this. For, like, the cal- like calendar, in air quotes, calendar year. Or, so Or a full season. Yeah, I'm not right. sure I'd go... I, I'm not. I'm sure what the NFL is doing right now is taking the temperature of the public. I mean, everybody would agree that the guy's got to be suspended. And that's, and, not, that's not working for him very right, yeah, well. As a general, yeah. And the other players as well, because it was interesting. I mean, I think everybody understands that this is going too far because that 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 could that could be you. My guess is is it's it's at least eight games, and if it's sixteen, I'm not going to lose any sleep. You know, the other story is the you know, Cleveland. Was supposed to be this resurgent team this year, and they're they're kind of having a so-so year. But it, it does. This is what happens when you know you. And I'm not saying that this guy's a bad actor. He he's he's young. He doesn't have a history. But they brought in a lot of troubled players, and they've had a huge problem with that. My guess is it's at least eight games. But if you haven't seen the video of it, this is what everybody in the world of sports is talking about because it's not just an on the field thing. That this is above and beyond using a piece of equipment clearly as a weapon. Grew, you're exactly right. They're, they're lucky he hit him with the helmet where he did, or else you know you're talking about somebody who's in the hospital um, or or worse. Okay, when we come back, so you don't have to do it. I have been watching or at least monitoring today's impeachment proceedings. We're going to have a conversation about where we go from here. Stick around. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. All right. Today is the second day of the House impeachment hearings. Uh, former ambassador to the Ukraine has been testifying. Um, Marie Yovanovitch. She has been testifying that she felt that she was unfairly removed by President Trump, and she thought Rudy Giuliani was running this smear campaign against her. She was shocked. She was appalled. She was devastated by being removed from this couldn't figure out why that was while she is testifying president trump apparently sends out a tweet suggesting that um she's not very good at her job etc etc all right well here's the interesting thing now the the this these hearings were covered pretty much gavel to gavel on wednesday by the cable news channels and by the the major news outlets the testimony is going on now uh, cable news is still on it. I checked just a couple minutes ago, and Fox, this would be you know over-the-air Fox, and CBS and ABC are still on it. NBC has bailed on this. NBC is showing Days of Our Lives right now. Uh, but but the interesting thing is, well, I'll, I'll share with you you know one of the stories, and this is in the L.A. Times. They say commentary, you know. Already sick of the impeachment hearings, that's where people are. And it's a story by the TV columnist that talks about how the impeachment inquiry was only a couple hours old when even the hardiest of political junkies began to tune out. They'd read about the closed-door depositions. They've scammed reams. They've scanned reams of released transcripts. But then, you know, once it started, after a little while, it wasn't holding their attention. And... Like I say, NBC has bailed on them now. 
My guess is, as time goes on, more and more of the networks, not the cable networks, but more and more of the major networks, you know, they're going to bail on these as well. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, I think, you know, is trying to ratchet up the rhetoric. So yesterday she came out and said, well, Trump threatening to withhold aid amounted to bribery. Now, let's 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 try to introduce this new element into it. I think all in an effort to try to attract attention and interest. Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. See, I, I, I continue to believe what I have argued for the longest time, and that is that there are people that love President Trump, there are people that hate President Trump, and there are people whose eyes just glaze over with, with all this stuff. And the details don't matter one way or another. And candidly, I think the majority of Americans have already decided how they feel about this. And if the idea is that people are going to be riveted to these impeachment proceedings, like admittedly I was riveted when I was in high school to the Watergate hearings in the 70s, I just don't think it's going to happen. So are you fascinated by these hearings? Is this must-watch TV? Or pretty soon are all the TV networks outside, perhaps MSNBC and Fox, are, or, and CNN, are they going to be bailing on these hearings? Is this must-watch television? My answer would be no. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I continue to believe that that no no minds are going to be changed among the general public, you know, by by this. The facts here I don't think are really at issue. I think people have already decided how they feel about this. Donald Trump is either the most venal, corrupt president we've ever had who needs to be removed to save the republic, or people say, hey, this is just the latest in this ongoing witch hunt. Democrats have been flailing since 2016 trying to figure out a way to remove Trump from office, and this is just the latest example of this. 414-799-1620, are you riveted by these impeachment proceedings, and if so, why or why not? Let's start with Jeremy and Racine. Jeremy, you're first. Hello. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Sure. I've been listening to it on the uh, National Public Radio for pretty much the majority of the morning, and it, it just, it's just a lot of political theater. Um, this is, I thought it was more supposed to be like a judicial uh, hearing kind of mm-hmm. thing, and I'm almost wondering if there should be a judge present to well, to moderate these things, because, I mean, it's just, these are questions that already have the answer within the question. You're just, you know, well, no, well, it's, it's it like you said earlier, right? It, it's poli- it's political theater. I mean, th- this isn't right. This this has no pretense of like a judicial hearing or a fact finding thing or anything. This is the Democrats trying to make their point about why President Trump is corrupt, and this is the Republicans trying to you know argue the opposite. But yeah, I I don't and I don't think Jeremy, it's going to change anybody's minds at the end of the day. Absolutely not. I, mean, I just it's just no facts being presented. It's just in your opinion of this yeah. or how you feel and it's just given her her resume like five times for every question that's going to come her way it just doesn't right. seem any any substance at all right so. no, no, thanks for call. And, and that that's kind of the upshot of the, and it, it is one of the things that's interesting because i i think that the media the mainstream media 
who is invested in these proceedings. It's funny. I've got a couple stories in front of me. It's almost like they are begging people to care about this. You've got to pay attention. You've got to understand. You've got to read our columns about this. Here's a text that makes an interesting point. What was the point of today? Even if this woman, this was the ambassador, was removed unfairly, what does that have to do with impeachment? Wake me up when it's over. Well, that's... You know, I've actually been thinking a degree of the same thing. You can argue that Trump's Ukraine policy was misplaced or or poor. You can argue the same thing about President Obama, who, uh, candidly, I mean, I think we should have been supporting Ukraine a lot more as they were battling Russia. All right. So you can argue that, okay, Trump's hesitance to want to support the Ukraine, misguided, et cetera, et cetera. But ambassadors serve at the pleasure of the president. And if the president, regardless of who they are, wants to, you know, get rid of an ambassador, well, you get rid of the ambassador. That That's that's one of the things that, that happens. It's kind of like with U.S. attorneys. New president comes in. Most U.S. attorneys, they, they get canned. They could be doing a great job, but the person wants their own people in there. So I, I, I can you argue that Trump was wrong? in not wanting to fully and full-throatedly get behind you know, Ukraine and its fight against Russia. And I think that that's a fair argument that you can end up making. But if he lost faith for whatever reason in this particular woman, and maybe that was unfair, and maybe he was wrong, okay, so what? That That's, that's what happens, and that happens all the time. 414-799-1620. I just don't see these proceedings. Matter of fact, I mean, I'm not, it's not that I'm surprised that NBC bailed on this in favor of Days of Our Lives. I'm more surprised that right now other major networks haven't bailed on it. And as this goes on day after day, and they're, they're talking about maybe six weeks of hearings, I, I, I just, I can't see wall to wall TV coverage because nobody is going to be watching. I don't think. We continue the conversation in a moment. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Uh, people are asking, what, what were the ratings like for Wednesday's first day of impeachment hearings? That They estimate about 13 million people, which is, this is the first day of these hearings. And that that's not a bad number. It's fewer than when James Comey testified. But that that's the, that's the first day. Um, so moving forward... Is there going to be some sort of revelation? And I think most people acknowledge that if if the idea is to try to sway this massive you know amount of humanity, this this mass thing of of sort of like what happened. See what happened in Watergate is we we didn't have this twenty four seven news cycle, and you didn't have the twenty four hour cable channels, and you didn't have the internet. So when somebody like John Dean testified about there being a, a cancer on the presidency, this was the first time everybody had heard all. All this stuff or you did have dramatic revelations like the security guy at the White House saying hey, there, there's tapes I've listened to the tapes that's why I know what was said on this particular conversation this this doesn't have that kind of drama that's there and I, I think most of the critics uh, agree that if the goal is to you know build up this groundswell of, of support for you know impeaching President Trump it, it you're going to need a lot more than, than came out in the first couple days now next week you know, there, there's eight witnesses scheduled to testify. Tuesday, there's going to be four witnesses. Wednesday, there's going to be three. And Thursday, there's going to be one. Guess we'll, we'll see if there's some sort of smoking gun there that suddenly, 
I don't know, convinces all sorts of people who either have punched out on this that, oh, this, we, we've got to impeach President Trump or, you know, swings the pendulum the other way. I frankly don't see that happening. And I continue to stand by what I've been saying for the longest time. The verdict on Donald Trump is going to be rendered by American voters next November. A couple of people are asking if he is impeached, can he run again? The answer is yes. I think the answer hasn't happened before, but the answer, I think, is a pretty clear yes, he can. All right, let's switch gears. Thanksgiving is coming up. There is something that people recommend should happen before Thanksgiving. This is what doctors recommend. Before Thanksgiving, doctors recommend that unless you are in one of the very small population categories where you can't do this, you should get a flu shot. Now, as of a couple of weeks ago, now here's the background. Um, doctors believe, the Center for Disease Control thinks, that, that if, if you're really going to have protection against the flu, you need this kind of herd mentality where a lot of people get the shot. Um, and, and they estimate that you really, you would like to see seven out of 10 people have gotten the flu shot. In the last decade, and I'm looking at a story in the Wall Street Journal this morning, fewer than 50%, way below that 70 cent, that 70% have been vaccinated annually. Sometimes the number dips as low as 42%. Couple weeks ago, couple weeks ago, the journal Sentinel ran this article where, you know, the number of doctors estimate that at least as of a couple weeks ago, we weren't at 70%, we weren't at 50%, we weren't at 30%, we weren't at 25%. Just 12% of Wisconsin residents had received their vaccination. Again, flu season theoretically starts right about now, 12%. Now, obviously, that number, I assume, has gone up over the last couple weeks, but it's still way below where it should be. Our number, 414-799-1620, that's the accurate number. Um, mortgage talk and text line. I get a flu shot every year. I, I just get it as part of my my regular checkup. You know that I typically do. You know, um, late summer, early fall. Doctor says you want the flu shot. I said yes. They give me the flu shot. I'm all set. You can get a flu shot pretty much anywhere you go. You you can go to any of the drugstores that are out there nowadays, and in a matter of two or three minutes, you fill out a couple forms. They will give you a flu shot. You will be protected. And yet, we don't do it in droves. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I admit this is something I flat out don't get. I, I If... If you are somebody that can't get the flu shot because you've got a compromised immune system or something like that, I, I understand. But that's only a small percentage of the population. And, yes, I, I understand that some people have an adverse reaction to it. But the flu is nothing to fool around with. And I guess if this is something that makes you less likely to either get the flu or if you get the flu, less likely to have as severe symptoms why wouldn't you do it? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Yet it seems like more and more of Wisconsinites, more and more of our fellow citizens are making the decision that, that they're not going to have the flu shot. And does getting the flu shot guarantee that you're not going to get the flu? No, it doesn't. 
it 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 doesn't um sometimes you know they kind of guess on what the strains are going to be and they can get it wrong but it does tend to indicate that even if you get the flu it's going to be less severe why don't people do this i swear i don't understand and this is from the perspective of somebody who does regularly get the flu shot 414-799-1620 that's the accident mortgage talk and text line why do you or why don't you make the decision to get the flu shot? Let's start with Chris in Slinger. Hi, Chris. You're on WTMJ. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, so I did start getting it about two years ago. I avoided it before that, but I travel internationally a couple times a year. and plane, I'm always sick every time I get off a plane from right. someone else or something. So I finally decided it would be a good idea to start getting it. But I withheld for a long time just because it always seemed like, you were getting like a guess of effectiveness, you know, mm-hmm. like there was no, so I didn't really like that. And I don't like how they just tell you, Oh, nothing will happen to you. It's just fine. That's complete. If I could swear on the radio. No, don't swear. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. Okay. Uh, but well, but let I me ask you this. Year, have you, have you had an adverse reaction in a couple last couple of yeah, years? I did. That you've when gotten? I got it this year at about 11 o'clock at night for about three hours, I, it, I was getting like flashes of heat and prickliness, mm-hmm. yeah. from like 11 AM to one in the morning. It was crazy. And then it was gone. Yeah. But I, I did get something. But, I mean, again, that's fine. I just wish I wouldn't say, oh, most people don't, or there's no effect at all. Every time I get it, I got it weird for a day. Interesting. No, thanks for guys. Because it's sort of funny. And like I say, I have, I, I mean, I don't know how, I can't tell you how many years in a row I've gotten the flu shot. Um, but, and I, I don't. You know, is it possible I've had a reaction like a, a week or 10 days later? Have I, you know, gotten, well, I think I've got a little bit of discomfort here. Yeah, but. Never anything bad. And I mean, I, I mean, I remember the last time I got the flu and, you know, first I was afraid I was going to die and then I was afraid I, I wasn't going to die. And ever since I've gotten the flu shot, I, I haven't, I, I haven't had the full blown flu. And I guess if I was in a situation where I was constantly in the public or like you, Chris, traveling, darn right I'd be getting it. But, but again, why or why not? The reality is, more and more people aren't, and we're not close to that 70% number that they want. We continue the conversation in just a moment. And by the way, I mean, this is right about now is when the flu season officially starts. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 414-799-1620. Here's a couple texts. Nope, nope, nope. 44 years old, no shot, no flu. Unnecessary as evidenced by the fact that they just recently started pushing it. Wash your hands, eat healthy. And by the way, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I believe in vaccines. I just don't think the flu shot is necessary. Jeff, I'm 56 years old, not had the flu since I was in my teens. I will never get a flu shot. Huh, interesting. Jeff, I don't get a flu shot. I'm 36 and healthy. I would get it, but I would rather see the vaccine safe for the young and the elderly. All right, somebody else texts me, says, well, you know, a number of people in my family don't get it. Uh, they won't admit it, but it's because of the needles. I mean, I, I, I have my flu shot. It, it pinches. You know that that's and it's really not. I mean, I, I'll just tell you. I mean, it it, it pinches. I, I had the shingle shot. I was talking about this like a month, a month and a half ago. Shingle shot hurt like you know what? Um, because that was an intramuscular one. But the flu shot, it was to me, it was it was nothing. But again, it's a matter of individual choice. Let's talk to Kate in Waukesha. Hi, Kate. You're on WTMJ. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, just uh, letting you know, I work in healthcare. I've been in healthcare for 40 years, and I work in an urgent care. 
situation. I I do not have an option not to get the flu vaccine. Right. So they they make you as a condition of employment. You got to get the shot. That's correct. Mm -hmm. That's correct. And if I had the option, I would definitely get the shot because this is what I see. People who get the flu vaccine either avoid getting the flu or if they do get the flu, it's a much faster recovery, a much easier going. Um, there's, there's some patients that will come in and say, no, I don't want a flu vaccine because every time I get it, I get the flu. Well, the flu vaccine is not a live virus. So you do not get the flu from the flu vaccine. Right. It, it might be that, right, you were, I mean, in some cases, it, it takes a couple weeks to work. So maybe you'd already been exposed to it, for example, which is why you could have gotten sick. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And with the holidays upon us and everybody getting together, this is a really uh, important, opportune time to go ahead and get vaccinated. Right. So, so you're, from your perspective, even if they didn't make you, you you do it anyways. I would do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Before, um, before I had the option, I always took the flu vaccine. And believe me, there were, there were times that I would really give it great thought because with any vaccine, there's always a little bit of a risk, just like childhood vaccines. However... Um, I think the the risk of getting the flu outweighs the vaccine. Yeah, because I mean, I I remember a couple times in my life when I've had the flu, and 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 again, I understand for some people it can be a life threatening sort of thing. For most of us, it's just really uncomfortable for a day or two. Thanks to call Kate four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to Sherry in Hartford. Hi, Sherry. You're on WTMJ. Hello, Jeff. Hi, Sherry. You know, for years and years, my husband and I sounded just like those stubborn texters who would say, I don't need it, I'm sturdy, I can handle the flu, or I'd like to save it for young people and elderly, it's not really for me. Well, last year was our first flu shot because we were visiting our four-month-old grandson. Right. And my husband's parents are 85 years old and my mom is 79. It's not about you. Right. Well, right. It's about the last thing you want to do is you want to get yourself exposed to it, be a carrier or something like that, and give it to your your grandson or, or give it to, you know, your parents or whatever. Yeah, it's because, exactly. yeah, right. It's, in some respects, it's the same argument that gets made about, like, people who don't want to get the measles vaccine and stuff. They say, okay, well, you know, if I get the measles, I, I can live with it. It's a common childhood thing. Well, if you happen to be around a child or you happen to be around um, – um, I don't know somebody with a compromised immune system, and they get the measles. It's more than just a week of being uncomfortable. I agree. Yeah. Now, thanks to call four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. And and by the way, the purpose of this topic isn't isn't to lecture. I mean, do I think it's a good idea to get the flu shot? Yeah. My doctor uh, tells me get the flu shot. It's just we're kind of matter of fact that way. He says, look, this is I, this is what to do. Now, I understand there's some people out there who don't trust doctors and things uh, of the like, but. All right. Well, I mean, if, if I don't trust my doctor, I'm not going to him in the first instance. And he says, Jeff, get the flu shot. It's here. And so, I mean, I get the flu shot. And they, they have made it easier. Now, look, I have insurance that covers the flu shot for me. I understand maybe there's a cost if you don't have the insurance. But we and I don't I don't even know what that is. But we've made it a lot easier. Like I say, CVS does it. Walgreens does it. I'm not here to preach. you got to decide for yourself. But we're way below where we should be if we're going to try to get to that like herd mentality that you need and and the flu season is starting soon barry in greendale hi barry you're on wtmj 
Good afternoon. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Okay, what about the flu shot? Just, uh, I think it was Kate, one of the previous callers. My wife works in healthcare. She's required to get it. And she tells me I get it. I don't have a choice because what she's exposed to, she doesn't want me to get anything and pass it around the community. You never know. Yeah. And it's quick, it's simple, and as for the cost, if insurance doesn't cover it, it's a minimal cost. I mean, yeah. it's just a handful of dollars, and if you low-income can't afford it, there are many programs that offer free flu shots constantly. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's just part of your routine. You just do it because it just makes sense to you. Better, better safe than sorry. Well, right. I, th- thanks for calling. Again, I, I understand, and, and I'm... Okay, I, I'm not judging on this, and I understand because believe me, I have just dozens and dozens of texts that have come in, and, and a number of them say, "Well, the only time I, I ever got uh, the flu shot was yeah, the only time I ever got the flu was after I'd had the flu shot and things like that." And I'm I'm sure maybe that's true, but I mean the the example I also always give is there, there's always people who who don't wear seatbelts. They're they're militant about that, and it's always, "Well, okay, I know somebody who knows somebody who has a cousin who had a girlfriend, and they were involved in an automobile crash, and if they'd been wearing the seatbelt, they'd been bit, would they be dead?" But they weren't, so they they survived. Okay, and and I understand that maybe that's that one in a thousand that's out there. But but overwhelmingly, the, the you know the odds are if you're wearing your seatbelt and your shoulder harness, you are much more likely to survive an automobile crash than if you're unrestrained and getting thrown around or outside of a car. That that's why I'm a big believer in seatbelts, and I guess it's part of the reason why I'm kind of a big believer in in flu shots. Now again, I. I, I don't – I'm old enough to know I don't have adverse reactions to things. I've had lots of flu shots. I, I've never had an adverse reaction that got really sick. I guess it's not to say that it couldn't happen, but I, I'm relatively comfortable. I, I don't have allergies to stuff like penicillin and things like that. You know, do you have a reaction once in a while when they give you the shingles vaccine? Did it hurt like heck? Yes, it, it did. But at the same time, you know, I, I guess I just try to play the odds. So I bring this topic up not to lecture but only to point out that if you haven't gotten your flu shot yet, there is still time. This is the start of the flu season. So if you're one of those people who just militantly, I don't get it, I don't believe in it, I get sick when I get it, okay, you go with God. I mean, I'm not talking about a law that says that you have to get it. Some employers have those rules, but that's a whole different story. I'm just saying that right now you've got, you know, a choice. Thanksgiving is coming up. You're going to be around family. You're going to be exposed to perhaps some more people. Something to think about um, as you move forward. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. What would you do with 100 cans of beer? Crew, who's producing the program today, the Journal Sentinel has a piece on this. Paps Blue Ribbon, you know, PBR, each year they have come out with a seven-foot-long case of Paps that holds 99 cans of beer. It's called the Paps Blue Ribbon Family Pack, I guess for the family that, that drinks together. Apparently it's never been available in Milwaukee. This year, it is coming to Milwaukee. The thing is, it's not going to be for sale. It's going to be for free. You're going to have to win them. They're going to be like contests and stuff. Um, Mankato, Minnesota, a liquor store that had these, apparently they sold out in less than 24 hours. 99 pack of beer was priced at 60 bucks. Yeah, it's just novelty to me. It, yeah, it, well, I mean, I, I'm just I'm, I'm looking at it. They got this picture in it. It's seven feet long. Okay, I 
what do you do with it? I mean, it, it's where we're assuming. How, how do you transport it? <laughs> well, that's a good right. That that's a good point. You got to have the SUV and you got to lay down the the thing all for, yeah. for the beer. But then once you get it home, I mean, what what do you what do you do with it? I don't. I, nobody has a seven foot long refrigerator. You leave no, it. You in just the, keep it in the garage. You keep it in the garage. Okay. Well, all right. You got a seven foot. Uh, but, but I, I, then you got a seven foot trail of uh, beer cans beer just cans. in your garage. Right, exactly. I, I see. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I, I mean, I look at this. It looks like it's a novelty, but then it's kind of like the eight foot tall big boy statue that I, I, you know, I've been wanted to buying for years and years. What would you do with it? Oh, this is to that big boy statue. So, I mean, if you're a regular listener, I've told the story before. I've, I, I've just. All my life, I've had this fascination. I've wanted to get like a giant, like like one of those giant big boys that they used to have, and and um, I, I've been asked the question by the women in my life over the times. You know, what what would you do with this? And I say, oh, I don't know. We'd, you know, put it in the backyard and uplight it or something. And then I get that look that, as I describe, all you women learn from your mothers that I married a moron look. And so I've never gotten the giant big boy, but I have because people know my fascination with that. I have gotten. Um, like big boy bobbleheads. So around our house, I have like three or four big boy bobbleheads. There's one on the bar cart in the living room, and there's one on my desk. So uh, Tuesday, we had this photographer over at the house. There's a magazine doing a doing a feature on my wife and I for their January edition, and there's a photographer there taking pictures. And one of the poses is I, I'm sitting behind my desk in, in my home office, and there, there's, a, there's a big boy bobblehead on the desk. And the guy says, I don't mean to be too per. I'm just kind of curious, but what's with all the big boys around the house? And then I kind of told him that story, and then I started looking around saying, yes, we do have, I guess, a lot of big boys around the house. So, um, yeah, when I, I don't know what pictures are going to make the magazine, but I, I know they were taking these pictures, and I saw them, and the, the big boy ended up there. Okay, I don't want to talk about big boys. Before we have the uh, pop culture corner that rolls around at 2.30, I do want to talk about some other other trend. Now, here's the background of the story, and, and it is a legitimate decision. This is my question for you. Are laptop computers, is the PC dying and or dead? Now, now here's why I, I bring this up. I think one of the greatest inventions of the last 20 years has been the development of the smartphone. I mean, nowadays, for those of us who are a certain age, nowadays, the computer that is in your smartphone does more than the laptop, the desktop computers that maybe some of us bought 20 years ago. In addition to that, you now have the, the tablets that are out there that are really, really fancy and do all sorts of stuff. Now, I bring this up because I have at home, I have a, I have a desktop computer that's kind of getting older, and I have, I have two laptops. One of the laptops died. I might have contributed to killing it, but that's another story. But it, it's it's just, it's dead, finito, thank it for its service, and move on. So I, I'm thinking of replacing it. Now, it's not an urgent thing right now because I've got another laptop and stuff, but I'm thinking of replacing the, the laptop that I killed, long story, with, with a new one. And my wife says to me, she says... I, you know, she has a tablet. She doesn't doesn't have like a laptop or a desktop. She says, "Well, I'm just kind of curious. Why why don't you just use a tablet? Because you know these tablets that they have out there do pretty much you know everything that you know you you do on the desktop 
or on the PC, and they're just a, on, on the laptop, and they're just a lot easier to carry. Now, I, I was thinking about that, and it, it's, I mean, it's it's probably true. And then I I've been looking at a couple stories that have just appeared this week, and one in USA Today, and one in the New York Times about how smartphones and tablets have been really killing the, the personal computer, that this is a trend that, you know, Steve, the late Steve Jobs from Apple talked about and how it is kind of, you know, playing out here. Then I'm looking at a review in USA Today of the new MacBook Pro that costs a fortune. That's not one that I would end up buying. But they're essentially saying, you know, um, you know, before you drop all this money on this, you know, you could consider something that you could get for a lot less. And one of the things they suggest as alternative is the tablets that are out there. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I've learned how to use laptops, both the Apple and, you know, the um, and, and the non-Apple type of ones. So I can go both ways with that. I'm familiar with this. I've never used a laptop exclusively, although I mean I know how to use my wife's and things like that. But now that I'm thinking about replacing the one that I killed, that is the you know the PC, the laptop computer, I, I'm really wrestling now with the idea of okay, should I get out of my comfort zone? You've already had it, but you know, do I need that? Is it time to modernize with the times? Okay, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, there's all these stories I'm reading suggesting maybe the day of the personal computer in general, the desktop, and certainly the laptop, maybe those are coming to an end. All right, what do you think? 414-799-1620, you ready to give up your, you know, laptop? You ready to give up your desktop? Do we even need them anymore? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. 414-799-1620, this is Jeff Wagner. Every Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. A couple articles I came across this week as I was researching whether I'm ready to replace the laptop that I killed a week before last are saying, hey, you know, before you do that, you know, think about think about tablets. Think about do you really need one when you've got your smartphone? And I, I'm I guess I'm just not ready to give up my PC. But what do you think? Let's start with Mike and Madison. Hi Mike, you're in WTMJ. Yeah, I if you're in business or you're programming or you're Doing anything that's productive along a keyboard and you actually know how to use the keyboard, there's just no way it's going away. Mm-hmm. However, if you're a casual user and you, I mean, you take a look at that Microsoft Surface um, tablet with the little flip keyboard, right. that is an incredible piece of machinery. I mean, way just blows Apple away in terms of its mm-hmm. functionality. So I could see where right, right. And know, I'm not, everyday right. user is going to find that type of tablet really great but if you're in business or programming this your way because the keyboard is so efficient sure right and and i guess in in my use is just i i surf the web you know i mean i'm i'm not doing high-end graphics i'm not a gamer i mean i'm just i'm 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 on the web i print a lot of stuff and things like that but it's more like that typical use i don't need that the high-powered you know stuff i'm not doing calculations and things right did you and you said you lost it two weeks ago 
I, I, I killed it a couple weeks yeah, ago, yes. So are you missing it in two weeks? I mean, well, no, because I, I have, well, I have another laptop. So I mean, oh. I, I, I have another one. This was kind of like a backup, which is why I need the backup. But it said you're not missing it, I just say go to the tablet. Go to the tablet, got it. Well, and it's funny, you know, my wife has never had, I mean, she's never had a PC. She has a, she's got a tablet and she does, every once in a while there'll be something that she asks me to do, you know, on the PC that's kind of difficult to do on the tablet. But, you know, otherwise, for most of the stuff she does, she's fine with the tablet. Plus, it's a lot easier to carry around than the PC. Uh, so I, I get it. I mean, I lug a laptop everywhere for work, and it's and I go big. I, I buy a very heavy duty right. one, so if I drop it and stuff, but it's it's a pain in the butt. But uh, <laughs> if I didn't have to, I would definitely be on that. I, again, I'm not, I don't get paid by Microsoft, but that's I have one of their Surface tablets too, and that is an incredible little unit. Interesting. Okay, thanks for calling. No, I appreciate the input, uh, Dave in Waukesha. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Hey Jeff, how you doing? I'm well, thank you. What do you think? I'm not. I'm not ready to make the switch. Only for well, number one, it's kind of a generational thing. Yeah. You know, you're just kind of used to the, you know, used to the, it's like everything else. It's why you still read a book versus reading it online. I mean, yeah. I, I and by the way, I I still. I still do that. <laughs> you know, I still, I mean, I, I've got a Kindle, but I, I prefer having the hard copy of the book in my hand as opposed to the Kindle. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And plus, it's easier to bring in the bathroom. But, uh, <laughs> um, you know, the, the other thing, too, is kind of what your previous caller mentioned with the keyboard. But also, it kind of depends on what you want to use it for. Like me, I don't really surf the web at all. I use it for, I use it for business. I use it for Word. I use it for Excel, you know, for spreadsheets and things like that. And, you know, a lot of that functionality um, just is, is inherent in a, you know, um, you know, a, a tablet. Right. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's, it's nice having it small. It's nice having all that. But if you're using it, again, from just social elements, right. searching, doing whatever, I don't, I just don't think it's as productive and as practical. Yeah, interesting. Now, again, I'm, I'm swamped with text. Let me just share a couple here. Jeff, my iPad is my go-to. It's enough to do what I do. Um, Jeff, for basic stuff, desktop PCs are totally dead. For serious video gaming, absolutely not. Well, right, of course, I'm, you know, I'm not... I, again, I, I'm not a serious online video gaming. Another text, Jeff. Gaming for the P, for PC is huge. Just look at the people streaming games on YouTube. Yeah, I mean, with the bigger screen, I understand that. Jeff, Foxconn was smart to choose to make TVs here because laptops are nearly dead. All you have to do is add a keyboard to today's televisions, and you're all set. What an interesting point, and that's that's correct. Jeff, I'm a web developer. I code for a living. Nothing replaces the convenience and power of a laptop or a desktop. When I really need to get something done on a computer, it's so much easier on a full-size desktop or a laptop rather than trying to poke at a phone. End, end of story. Yeah, that that's true. You know, when I have to... Um, my wife will, on her tablet, for example, will say, hey, can, can you answer this email or would you respond to this person or something? And just, you know, doing the stuff on, on, the, on the iPad is, is much more difficult. But maybe, I mean, I'm wondering if I could get used to that. Uh, Jeff, imagine trying to write a legal brief on a tablet with its limited keyboard. Complicated documents or websites are still best done on a real computer. Clearly, phones and tablets reduce the need, but complex ta- tax tasks are still best done on the larger format device. Um, yep, yep, yep. Jeff, a Surface... Laptop will do everything. A, a Surface will do everything. A laptop will do Word, Excel, etc. 
All right. Sending me back to the drawing board on this. I, I think when I decide to get the backup, I'm still I, – I, look, I accept the fact that things have changed over the years, and I accept the fact that you know there might be a time when like the, the laptops and the desktops are dead. Maybe I'm just kind of be one of those dinosaurs that just like the guys that still gets the hardcover books when they come out and, and likes likes to sit down at night and have a glass of bourbon and have the fire and have the dog at my feet and, you know, read my hardcover book. I, I, I'm still the guy that I think likes to, you know, again, have that keyboard and the laptop. Maybe I'm a dinosaur. Maybe they'll be gone in 10 years. But I think when I replace the, the one I killed last week, I, I think I'm going to think i'm going to stick with it but um new york times says steve jobs was right smartphones and tablets have killed the pc we'll see this is jeff wagner wtmj it's time now for jeff wagner's pop culture corner put aside the heavy lifting and call the acunet mortgage talk and text line at 414-799-1620 to get on the show and now here is jeff wagner so yesterday was my wife's birthday and her, her big gift was I gave her some money to go buy buy an outfit. Go go do that. But but that wasn't the success. The the hit gift was the fact that I, I found a bunch of stuff from the Hallmark movie channel, like socks. One sock says, If you can read this, and then the other sock on the foot says, I, I'm I'm watching the Hallmark I'm watching Christmas movies on the Hallmark Channel, and I got a shirt saying, this is my Hallmark Christmas movie watching uh, shirt and a cup, and now I'm told that there's a wine glass, and so that's what my mission is, to try to find that wine glass, because my wife, Lord Lover, is addicted to the Hallmark Channel this time. Uh, pretty much she loves it every the whole year, but in particular, the Christmas movies. They started in late October, but they are ratcheting up now between the Hallmark Hallmark Channel and the other one, the Hallmark Movie and Mystery Channel. They have 40, four zero new movies that are debuting. 40. This Saturday, for example, in the Hallmark Channel, I have I have the movie guide in my hand. This Saturday, it's Christmas Under the Stars. Sunday, it's right, W-R-I-T-E, before Christmas. Saturday after that, it's Christmas at Graceland, home for the holidays. Then cherished memories, a Christmas gift to remember. Then a Christmas duet. Then check in, I-N-N, to Christmas. Then the Christmas Club. Then Christmas at the Plaza. Then Christmas in the Evergreen. Then Christmas in Rome. Then Christmas Town. And it goes on and on and on. You get the idea. My wife can't get enough of those Hallmark shows, and I know that there's a number of people, including a number of her friends and probably lots of you, who are out there just absolutely love them. I, I don't have a strong feeling one way or the other, other than you, you kind of watch one and you've kind of seen them all. But Hallmark has had incredible success. This is the 10th year that they have been doing like these Christmas movie things, and people wait all year so they they roll these out and then people dvr them and they watch them over and over again and there's actors and actresses who play in you know they, they come back year after year to play different roles in these hallmark movies people love them which demonstrates to me that there is a real market out there for for family entertainment you know just you know i'll always say to fran i'll say well i'm just you know these movies are all the same you know i mean i understand there might be different people but they're kind of all the same and she says look just like to watch these these are these are these are fun these are lighthearted. you know that it's all going to work out at the end you know it's just going to be this sort of feel-good thing plus you've got all the christmas overtones and you know i i get it there's 
there's a point there. You know it's going to turn out well, and there is this sort of, I don't know, maybe this comfort in, in this, and they're kind of traditional, and they bring back, you know, maybe they bring back great memories. In, in any event, there, there's this huge appeal to it. All right, we are starting the season in honor of or in recognition of the Hallmark Movie Channel kicking off its Christmas movies. No, we're, we're not going to necessarily talk about Hallmark movies because, like I say, they're all kind of the same. I mean, what's really the difference between Christmas in Dollywood, Holiday Date, A Cheerful Christmas, Christmas in the Evergreen? You know, because like, like I say, they're all the same movie. But they are good, fun, family-oriented movies. So with Thanksgiving coming up, with the Christmas season coming up, with the success of the Hallmark movies, I thought we would kind of go back to our roots here on Pop Culture Corner. All right. The best family movie ever. Now, it can be a Thanksgiving movie. It can be a Christmas movie. It could just be, again, a a kind of feel-good movie. But the best movie to watch with your family, the best family movie ever, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I mean, I also saw that Marcus Theaters, once December rolls around, they're bringing back like some of their, their famous Christmas movies that they're going to be showing on the big screen. I saw they're going to have White Christmas and It's a Wonderful Town, It's a Wonderful Life, and things like that. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line, Pop Culture Corner, Best Family Movie Ever. It can be a drama. It could be a comedy. It could be a musical. You get to call it. But what, you know, it's not it's not the holidays until your family has had an opportunity to watch blank. 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. As I always suggest, call early. Our phone lines tend to clog up. Go with your first instinct as well. Don't overthink. Back with your calls in just a moment. Family movies. It's not the holidays until I've had a chance to watch blank. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner's Pop Culture Corner. Now back to Take Your Calls. Here's Jeff Wagner. 414-799-1620. Let's start with John downtown. Hi, John. Hey, how you doing? Good. Best family movie. It's not Christmas until, or it's not the holidays until? Until I see Christmas Vacation. <laughs> with Chevy Chase, yeah. He's, yeah they're, they're, oh, my goodness. They're showing that at the Riverside. He's coming here, I think. They're, they're going to show that, and he's going to talk about the movie. It, you know, it, it's yeah. one of those things. It's funny. You know, he's it's a funny movie, but it's still... And it's a silly movie, but it's still got some really touching scenes. Yeah, it's it's a family man trying to have the perfect family Christmas. <laughs> right. And and I think a lot of us can maybe relate to some of that stuff like, okay, where you, you're trying your best and you know, I don't know, there, there there's the dog that's licking all the, the, the water out of the Christmas tree bowl <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> yeah, no. Thanks for calling. No, I, I, I love I mean you know, I, I like I like the vacation movies, the, particularly the original one, and then Christmas Vacation. I think those were the the two best. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Chris in Racine. Chris, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Hi, Chris. How are you doing today? I'm uh, good. Best movie, Christmas wise, or any holiday movie, I think is the Christmas Story. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, You'll shoot yeah. your eye out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My dad had one of those uh, Red Rider BB guns that I he bought right after that movie oh. came out. Uh, okay. Um. That movie, uh, it kind of tied me and my family together because, uh, you know, my dad always uh, would tell us stories about when he was young and, and Christmas. And uh, we had a property out on Lakeshore Drive in, in uh, Kenosha, and they had one of those clunker-style old uh, <laughs> octopus 
furnaces and and right. uh, before we sold the house, we got to live out, you know, stay out there for a while. And, yeah, uh, it's just kind of kind of neat. You know? No, I, I think, and you know, in the, in the little brother Randy and all that type of stuff, you know, that the house they filmed that somewhere in Indiana, and the house where they filmed it is, is now like the Christmas Story house, and you can go and you can take tours of it and things like that. Yeah, I um. I, I absolutely, I, I mean, that's just a classic. And that's one of those where, you know, that they show it for 24 hours on Christmas Eve and into Christmas Day on, on TBS or TNT or whatever the channel is going to be. And I, no matter how many times I've seen it, I inevitably find myself watching portions of it two or three times and then watching it from beginning till end at, at least once. You never get tired of it. Trisha in Waukesha. Trisha, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Hi, Trisha. How are you? I'm good. Okay, it's not Christmas. It's not the holidays until Polar Express. Okay, all right. That stop action thing and all. Tell me why. Um, our kids have been watching that ever since they were little. They're all teenagers now, and it's just become a family tradition. In fact, just last night, my 14 year old daughter had some of the songs playing on her <laughs> radio, just sort of getting in the spirit, you know. <laughs> so, so you're going to have that. That will be kind of a family event. Fire up the hot chocolate uh, or the popcorn or, or both, exactly. and go for it. No, I, yes. I, no, that. I mean, thanks. So that that's what's so cool uh, about that. Number of people texting me. Um, white. Uh, number of people saying White Christmas. You know, with uh, you know, Bing Crosby and Danny Kay. Like I say, I know for sure that they're going to be showing that at the Marcus Theaters, you know, on the big screen. And this might be the year I, I go see that. Uh, Rosemary Clooney and Vera Ellen. Um, I, again, just it, just a. It's not. I White Christmas is certainly one that appeals to me. There, a lot of people also saying, of, of course, Christmas Story. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Dan in Port Washington. Dan, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, I uh, I know this may sound strange, but. Uh yeah, family, I had a memory of Sound of Music. Uh-huh. I guess the singing and the whole thing about family. And yeah. I know it may not be the snowy Hallmark movie, oh. but something to where the family oh. got together and watched. Oh, no, it, it's it's a great family movie, and it's a great I know. I mean, I understand it's a great holiday movie. Didn't they always used to show it on Easter? For some reason, I, I you know, when yeah. that, I think they, they were showing it more around Easter. But yeah, no, I think, I mean, it, it's a great family story. No, thanks for calling. Matter of fact, a number of people are putting um, Sound of Music in. Julie Andrews, of course, the star of Sound of Music, she just came out. She's got a new book. It's like the second volume of her autobiography, which talks about, you know, her, her Hollywood years, or at least her early Hollywood years, including the filming of The Sound of Music. I've read the reviews. Reviews are pretty good. I, um, I, I haven't pulled the trigger and gotten the book yet, but I think I, I, I think I might because, you know, Julie Andrews came here and she was a Broadway actress and she did Mary Poppins and then she went from Mary Poppins into The Sound of Music and things like that. Very cool. 414-799-1620. It's a great movie. Dennis in Hartford. Dennis, you're on WTMJ. Thank you. Hi, Dennis. Jeff. How are you doing today? I'm well, thank you. All right. It's not the holidays until? We watch trains, planes, and automobiles. Yeah, with the late John wow. Candy and Steve Martin. Yep. Now, I know that for maybe younger kids, there's some language in there that's not the greatest, you know, when he takes the ring or goes back with whatever. Right. <laughs> but, but, uh, I have an older family, so we get together, we watch this, and we laugh from the start yep. to the finish. And then, of course, you got the serious part at the end. Right. A great thanks. Yeah. And, of course, for people, well, I think everybody probably knows about it, but, I mean, it, it's these two business guys trying to get home um, for Thanksgiving and all right. the stuff that happens to him. I, it's, 
You're, you're right, and and it's I mean it's a funny movie. It's hysterical. There's like scenes like what about how about them bears or whatever, and yeah. then it ends on a really the last ten minutes incredibly poignant and and it's a feel good story too. Yeah, no. the last ten minutes bring tears to your eyes. You know, yeah. the real meaning of family and Thanksgiving. I, I couldn't. Thank you. I, I couldn't agree more. But but it's it's really funny how you get there along the way. And for people who, for people who travel for a living, so, sometimes I think it's kind of a painful thing to watch because you can kind of gee, I can relate to the plane's gotten canceled, and now I got to figure out what Plan B is going to be, and how am I going to get home on Thanksgiving? But it's uh, I, I I love just absolutely love planes, trains, and automobile. Four one four and. Automobiles four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to Bill in Oshkosh. Bill, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Thanks Hi, for taking my call. Yes, sir. Uh, it's not Christmas around here until we watch It's a Wonderful Life. Colorized or black and white? Black and white. Ah, a man after my own heart. <laughs> yeah, as you know, it shows in a sort of roundabout way what life in real life can be if a person wasn't here. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, and it's, yes, I mean, thanks for, I mean, I'm with you, and Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed and just all, all these great scenes, but it really, it's it's funny, it's heartwarming, it ends well, um, it's, it's, it's great. And for people who, you know, I think one of the things that happened to It's a Wonderful Life is it went into what they call the public domain for a while and, and they just showed it and showed it and showed it and showed it and showed it. And I think some people might have gotten tired of it, but if you haven't seen it in a while, it, it's definitely worth revisiting. And like I say, I think this is another one I, that you can see on the big screen this year at some of the Marcus theaters. And I'm not here to give Marcus a free plug necessarily, but I just saw that and it's, I'm thinking that might be something that we would do as well. Ron in Kenosha. Ron, you're on WTMJ. Hi, how you doing? Very well, thank you, sir. Okay, it's not the holidays until? I see two movies. One is The Miracle on 34th Street, but mostly White Christmas. The uh-huh. God see White Christmas, or It Ain't Christmas. Yeah, I it's I mean the, the songs, the dancing, um you know, kind of a simple sort of sort of dumb plot that doesn't it doesn't make too much sense, but it doesn't matter cuz it's a fun feel good type of movie. Right. When that old man gets stands up and those people come on stage, right. it just about tears me up. Yep. We'll follow the old man wherever he wants to go. Yep. <laughs> Thanks for yeah. the call. As long as he wants to go far away from the foe. But, you know, I, I don't I don't want to dismiss the, the other movie that you talked about, which is Miracle on, on 34th Street, which um, I think Miracle on 35th Street, Miracle, whatever, um, be 35th Street. The um, I, I think. The, the original, they, they've done remakes. Eh, skip the remake. But, you know, the original with uh, a young Natalie Wood, just that's one of my must-watch movies over the holiday season as well, as are, as are many of these. Let's talk to Mike, who's calling us from Michigan. Hi, Mike. You're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, so for my for Thanksgiving, um, when I visit my in-laws, uh, somebody mentioned uh, Trains, Planes, and Automobiles. That's one. Uh, but we also watch Uncle Buck. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, you, 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 you can't go wrong with, I mean, John Candy in a great role in, in that. And, and it's not necessarily your prototypical type of Christmas or Thanksgiving movie. But, right, it's a great family movie. Absolutely, and now that we have uh, more 
more children, nieces and nephews every year. Uh, we also watch a Peanuts Christmas with them. <laughs> oh, yeah, the Charlie Brown. Oh, man, I just, the Charlie Brown Christmas. I love that. That's, you cannot go wrong with that either. Thanks for call. Uh, one of our listeners corrects me. The Christmas Story House, it, it's in, um, it's outside of Cleveland, house and museum outside of Cleveland, but it is that the house that was the exterior and some of the interior scenes were shown. So somebody was just telling me, hey, I visited that house there. Let's see. Um, let's talk to Gary in Waukesha. Gary, you're in WTMJ. Hey, how you doing? Real well, thank you. It's not the holidays until... Uh, Santa Claus is coming to town. Heat miser, freeze miser. <laughs> I love, you know... I, I, the young I, kids yeah. don't even have a clue what it is anymore. Well, but you know they they should because it, it's yeah. that kind of that st- right and the winter warlock and that that stop yeah. ap- action thing. Fred Astaire does the voice. I no, I'm, I'm with you. No, thanks. For, I mean, Santa Claus is coming to town is just great. It, it's going to be on. They'll they'll show it sometime. Um, it's an hour. It's well worth your time. Jennifer in Sockville. Jennifer, you're a WTMJ. Hi, Jennifer. Uh, my two favorites are Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Frosty the Snowman, the originals. <laughs> right. The, yeah, of course, not the remakes, but the, the originals and stuff. Yes. Um, I grew up watching that as a kid. They are my favorite. You know, and, and they age well, don't they? I mean, Absolutely. You, yeah, that's that's it. No, I, again, great, great sort of stuff. I mean, <clears throat> the original of The Grinch Who Stole Christmas with Boris Karloff and stuff, that, that's another great one. A couple um, uh, people are suggesting Home Alone. Which you know I hadn't watched in a number of years, and last year I went and saw it, and actually, I, yeah, I mean it's I, it's it's funny, it's silly, but it, it's got a good message at the end. So Home Alone is definitely one that I would add to that. So all right, whatever whatever your holiday movie is, and it could include all those movies on the Holiday Channel on the Hallmark Channel. That, that that's great. Hope you enjoy it. The holidays are coming up. Enjoy it with people you care about. Sit down, make that big bowl of popcorn, get yourself your favorite libation, and just kind of zone out for a couple hours. Stick around.